That's Orgasmic, you are joined by host Emily Duncan and in today's episode I am joined by Alicia again and we are talking about a whole heap of different queer issues in this episode. We first break down pansexuality, what it is and what it means to Alicia. We then also discuss bisexuality versus pansexuality versus the queer label and our journeys with our own sexuality and with these labels We then talk about really important issues such as internalised homophobia and the big question, am I queer enough? Alicia also gives some great advice for those who are wanting to explore their sexuality. And then Alicia and I discuss her experience being HSV positive, so herpes. And I have talked about this on the podcast before, but I've never talked about it through a queer lens. So that's exactly what Alicia and I did. And it brought out some important issues, uh, such as sexual health for those with vulvas who have sex with vulvas, the different ways that they can protect themselves, and also, I guess, the current narratives around that type of sex and sexual health. And we also break down the herpes testing process and some of the issues that we've found when we've gone to doctors and used the medical system for STI testing. So if that interests you, please keep listening and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Now, I would love to talk about pansexuality because Mm -hmm. I haven't actually spoken about like that specifically on my podcast either. Um, So we're addressing all the gaps today. (laughs) (laughs) Are you able to like define pansexuality and like what this means to you? Yeah, sure. Um, So I guess like for me, I don't know what the technical like definition is, but um, for me, it's like attraction. It's I think it's attraction, like regardless of gender, is like the the technical definition. For me, I guess it's always been like attraction to people's like energy and personality, and then like you know, I think gender can play a role into why you may also be attracted to someone. But for me, I think it's like normally their energy and their personality first. Um, and it's why I think like any of my close friends always joke around about like I don't have a type because like it's just like really about who the person is so like they might look and present in so many various different ways um but yeah so I guess like pansexuality is like being attracted to like the personality or the person before gender but I think it can also be used interchangeably with bisexuality like I know that Mm. there's lots of people who do use them interchangeably I don't I don't feel like I don't really have a problem with that either. Like I can identify with bisexuality as well. I don't feel any particular like strong connection to any labels. Like I'm not a big labels person. I just, I think pansexual fits me the most because it feels like the most broad and open sort of way to identify in that sort of like in that term, I guess. Um, but yeah, sorry, like what, what else did you want me to talk about? Yeah, no, that was great. And like I 100% I've struggled with them. Like am I bisexual? Am I pansexual? Mm. And then I was like, well, I'm the same. I just the labels just don't really feel good because mm. I, I don't know if I just haven't explored enough that I'm like, yes, this is exactly it. But I don't know. It's something that I've always like kind of gone between the two, not sure. I find for people who don't really understand sexuality, bisexuality obviously comes off a bit easier for them to understand. Yeah, I think that's the thing is like it's the easier to understand one. People know about it. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, but I guess the one thing they always, the like misconception of bisexuality, that it's just two genders, not that it's two or more. Um, like obviously, which I guess people get confused when it's like bi, that shouldn't be like two. Um, but I guess even for myself, I found that I was like, I'm just going to start calling myself queer because that just felt like the most, I guess, inclusive. And I also found when it came to men, it was the least sexual. They hear queer and they're kind of like, oh, like it's not like bisexual. And they're like, oh, okay, like let's yeah. have a threesome or they're like. like I'm a unicorn. I'm like, maybe sometimes, not right now. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Whereas if I'm like, I'm queer, they're kind of like, what the fuck's that? Yeah, or like, I'm oh, <laughs> no, that's that's not like, you know, yeah. and they, they don't really understand it as much Um, and it wasn't, became less of a sexual thing mm. for like other people, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's easier to not be sexualized by other people, I think, when you use that term. And I think similar to pansexual, I think that's probably why I lent towards that as well, is like, and it's hard to know whether it's also like internalized biphobia in some ways, as far as like, unfortunately, the label gets a bad rap. And like, it's one of those things that like, there is so much, so many like derogatory terms associated with it. And it is like quite a sexualized label, I think. But um you know, you also then get people being like, oh, so you're attracted to pots and pans. I'm like, no, <laughs> nope, not close. <laughs> yeah, all cookware does it for me. <laughs> yeah, literally. Don't let me near a kitchen. This is no tea. Don't let me near their kitchens. <laughs> me running kitchen group, having the best time of my life. <laughs> but yeah, like I think queer works for me as well, like reclaiming that word and just like having it be like, broad you know just part of the alphabet mafia works like way nicer for me than mm-hmm. any particular label and I, in the way that you said that as well how like the reactions you get you then I think I think it filters through all the people you don't really want to hang out with as much he's like mm-hmm. if people have like really like off reactions to it it's just like okay like that's that's fine but then like why'd you ask <laughs> yeah yeah exactly why'd you ask literally yeah. Yeah, so how has your journey been, like, coming to, like, this um, identity? Like, was it something you've always just known was sitting there or, like, yeah, what was your experience like? Um, My experience was, like, uh, it took me a little while. I mean, like, a little while being, like, until my late teens, I guess. Um, I wasn't a particularly sexual child or anything. I know, like, I have lots of friends who, you know, were self-pleasuring, like, quite early on and I don't think I even acknowledge sexual feelings until probably like I don't know, 14 13 14 those sort of years like high schoolish vibes um and I was always like my earlier thoughts of being attracted to people they were always men um although always guys and I think for me like so I always had just been like oh like I'm probably just straight and then it wasn't until like one of my but I also didn't have queer people around me, I think is the mm, biggest that thing. That makes such a big difference. <laughs> such a big difference. And, like, for my brain, which I, I think I'm quite lucky about, but, like, I can't really be attracted to someone unless I know they have the potential to be attracted to me. So, like, I would never find, like, a gay man sexually attractive because I'm like, well, you have no capacity to be attracted to me, you know? And so in that same way, I think navigating high school, we had, like, a couple queer women in our high school 
And so like, I think I always had like this like big admiration for them. And I probably in hindsight was like, I was probably crushing on you. But like, I just always was like, oh, I love their confidence or I love their fashion or like, it's that classic thing of being like, do I want to be you or do I want to be on you? Like- yes, we were literally talking about this the last day of beauty last week. We were like, like, how do we know? How do you know? Like, and so I think, you know, towards the end of high school, I, I ended up um, dating one of my best friends at the time and we were together for a couple of years. And that was even just like, the amount of like mental turmoil of being like, are we just like best friends? Do I just like, you know, is this just what really good friends are like? And then like getting to the point where like, it's sort of like having to like reason with my brain and being like, stop putting a label on it. Like if you felt this way about someone that was a guy, you would, you would just go for it. So like, just let yourself like, don't make this mean more than it needs to mean. Cause I think I also like, I'm not a big believer in coming out, which is like bad to say on like mm-hmm. it's International Coming Out Day today. International Coming Out Day. Um, but I think it's more like it's not that I don't like the concept of like that get people get to come out, but I just don't think that you should have to. And no, like, I agree. I think that was always something for me that I was like, oh, well, like I'd rather just like have people that I see and I date, and then that's like, oh, like I'm seeing this person. Like I didn't want it to mean like well, now I'm only going to see these people because you're constantly otherwise like coming in and out of the closet because it's like if I'm then in a straight presenting relationship, people are like, well, you're not queer. And it's like, that's not <laughs> that's not how this works. Um, but, yeah, so I guess like that was like quite a big coming to terms with things when I started dating her in high school. Um, lots of sort of like mental turmoil and even just like unpacking your own internalised homophobia that you didn't realise was there. Um I was always someone who was like a big advocacy for like gay people and like not not using derogatory terms. You know, I think our high school was still having the all those jokes about being like huh, gay, like that as like a as a joke. And I was always one of those people that was like, don't use gay as an insult. If you mean it's lame, say it's lame. Like we don't talk like that. Um, but then it was like interesting when it then was like me being like, huh, does this mean that I'm queer? Like that was like a weird thing to then go like, oh, now it feels different because it's me and it's not someone else that I'm having to advocate for. So that was like like a tricky sort of thing. And I was like nervous about telling my family, but I think it was more of like a, not that they're not like loving or inclusive. I think it's just like, even you watch shows and you see that the way that certain characters are presented or the way that queer people can be talked about in the media, and you start to like form an idea in your mind about like what certain people might hold values about. And like, I remember, like I eventually like had to, had to sort of like sit down with my family and have a chat, like, which was not what I wanted to do, but there was like a scenario that meant like, I sort of like had to formally address it. And um, they were like, so supportive. Like I was like, I was like, oh, like, you know, you sort of asked before if we were seeing each other and we weren't, but we are now like, <laughs> and like, they were just like, cool like no worries like I was always very affectionate with friends and so they were like oh we were just not sure if you guys were like really good friends and I was like neither was I (laughs) (laughs) um and I think like maybe my dad had sort of been like oh like is it like is this like what you you think you're always gonna want now or do you do you just did the other relationships still count to you sort of thing and I remember sort of being like no, like, I, I mean, I don't know what the future looks like, but right now I'm attracted to this person. I like being with this person. And he was like, oh, cool. That like, that makes sense. I can understand that. Um, but I do remember then like navigating, like after that, once like people, you know, knew that I was with her, that like, I had a lot of like 
ex-partners or people that I had like hooked up with previously like message me and be like so like are you a lesbian now or like you know did did what we had not mean anything to you and I'm like no like I I liked you then I like her now like <laughs> it's like, that simple it's, it's that <laughs> you simple. don't need to look into this yeah I'm like don't make it weird like they're like oh like did I do something bad and now you like women I'm like I, I didn't I didn't I didn't know that <laughs> Don't make it weird like um and so I think that was quite interesting and like you know navigating out of that was still just like trying to find out how to be around queer people as well because like I think the Perth queer population is probably like less clicky now but it used to be quite like sort of like clicky and almost like elitist like there were like the cool mm. queers of Perth and you sort of like wanted to know them but you were also scared to know them sort of vibe um, and so then I think it's like navigating being queer in like a reasonably small city as well, like growing up in Perth. Um, but generally, I think most people are quite accepting. Like I only had backlash from the occasional person at school. And I think it was more from a place of like they it was like it was this weird, almost like internalized betrayal that they felt because they like they knew a version of me that they had formed in their brain. And then when that started to shift, I think they felt sort of like I'd done something wrong, which I was like, well, no, like you, you just have to grow and learn with me the way that I'm growing and learning with myself. Like, um, like I, I never lied about anything. Like I think that was the thing is like people were like, Oh, like, do you have you known for ages? And I'm like, no, like I'm figuring it out <laughs> alongside everyone else. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I think that for me is then when I was like, you know, I didn't want to label on it because I was just like, I like people and I never know when it's going to be someone that I find attractive, but like, you know, if they have the potential to be attracted to me, then like maybe I could be attracted to them. And it's just been like navigating it sort of like that way, I guess, since, yeah. Yeah. And I definitely think there's a big misconception that like people just know they're gay and they just have been lying Mm. about it or haven't, you know, haven't come out yet. Um, so especially doing like having that experience in high school they would have just probably been like oh you've just been a lesbian this whole time and you just you know you hadn't you hadn't told us yet which obviously is not true and like I 100% agree earlier when you said about like the coming out I've never either officially come out I just Mm -hmm. didn't feel the need to do that which I do feel you know obviously quite privileged that I didn't you know have that have to have that experience Um, and it's just been something that has just either come up in conversation or I've been like, yeah, I went on this date. Um, but then also like drop the breadcrumbs to be like, yeah, to to see if like people are like safe people to be around. You like do the occasional, like, Oh, I used to date this person. I used to do this thing. And you just like see the way they react and you're like, all right, cool. Yeah. You'll be fine. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's funny when people find the need to comment on it. Like I have people message me like, oh, I didn't know this. And it's like, mm. well, does it, does it change anything? Does yeah. it really matter now that you have this information? Yeah. Like it's like, quite interesting. Yeah, mm. literally. And there was literally so much in that that I want to comment on. But another thing, the internalised homophobia, I was the same, always like, act, um, oh, my God, I've forgotten the word, act not activating advocating advocating I was advocating for the gays <laughs> and I was always so supportive and I just thought yeah like I'll be fine like I'm not gonna think anything of this and I remember there's just this one pivotal moment I went on this date with this girl and we're um we've gone for like coffee and we're sitting out on the waterfront and 
she wanted to have a little cuddle so she like pulled me in and like had her arms around me and a boat came past and they kind of like waved at us there was a boat full of people and it was like it's just this weird feeling I was like oh I'm being now seen as like a queer person because like I hadn't really been to like in public spaces for it because it was like my, one of my first dates and I would just I it had that internalized homophobia come up and I was just like I didn't see it coming. I wasn't expecting it. And it was such an uncomfortable feeling to sit with because I was feeling so uncomfortable sitting there. But I'm like, I just wasn't expecting it. And then how to navigate that afterwards. Because then after that experience, I went on one more date with her. Turns out just wasn't my person. But then I had a whole identity crisis. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't need to mean as much as it did, but... No, so then I'm like, am I even queer? I was like, my friend, I don't think I am. Like, I think I'm just straight. I was just confused. I was like, no. Since then, I also think because I hadn't had sex with a woman yet Mm. or a person with a vulva. And then since then, definitely queer. I just... Definitely queer. (laughs) I just... (laughs) I just had a few things that come up and like I just went into full panic and I don't know why I had so much it's not even that I had the pressure on myself to put a label on it it's Mm -hmm. when I have nobody around me who's really queer in my close circle it's that Mm -hmm. pressure of trying to have terminology so they understand me I guess too and everyone else that I feel like is asking for the labels you know it's it's like 100% I don't know I'm trying to figure it out too (laughs) Yeah, a hundred percent. And especially I just think growing up like small country town as well, they were just like getting comments like, Well, how can you know you're bi if you've never had sex with somebody? And I'm like, I don't know, because every time I was at a party all I wanted to do was kiss the girls. Like <laughs> like it's like the same like, question to anyone else. It's like, Well, how do you know you're straight when like you know, people are sexualizing kids being like, Oh, when they grow up they're gonna be the strongest man and they're gonna be the best prince, you know, like whatever, like We've been doing that forever. So it's like in the same mm-hmm. concept as you would never question that little boy being a heartbreaker. You know, it's really sad. Yeah. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. It's hard when you're like, you have all those voices and they start to become your internal thoughts as well. Being like, well, is this true? Is this, you know, if that's how I feel about it, maybe I'm not the right sort of queer or maybe I'm not queer enough. Like, and I think it mm. is like even... Like, I I just want to acknowledge as well what you said, like, sort of, like, sitting on the park bench, like, with that girl. Like, there's also then an element of safety. Like, when you you clock other people noticing your queerness, there is, like, I feel like there is a moment where you go, like, is this an okay place for me to be doing this, you know? And you were just, like, cuddling. But, like, it is, like, one of those things that, like, you do become – I remember being so hyper-aware about, like, holding hands or being able to kiss in public and, like, not something that, like, previously I'd had any any issues – with relationships like you wouldn't even think about that but it does become something that you then have to sort of be like is this a space where like I'm gonna get heckled or like it's gonna be an issue or you know in that sort of way as well it's like am I being hypersexualized by a group of people that I didn't want to be you know pointed at which like that's not what was necessarily happening with you but I know that there's been times you know where you might like have a cuddle or have a dance with someone and then all of a sudden you've got like a group of people around you like and they're clearly just like sexualizing the two of you. And it's like, that's not why I'm here. Like I wasn't doing this for your entertainment. A hundred percent. And I think that was the first time, like I'm always the one providing safety for the queer people Mm -hmm. around me. It was the first time that I was in the position of vulnerability Mm -hmm. and it was just a new experience. And I don't honestly, not until, 
unpacking it now because once again don't really have the queer people around me here to you know have these conversations and understand it but yeah I just never I've just lost my train of thought of the point that I had but like I had just yeah I had never been in that situation and also understanding that experience of how you know it is quite a vulnerable thing to come out and to express yourself and be like that in public Mm -hmm. and it might seem like a no-brainer oh yeah you should be able to do that yeah Mm -hmm. like you should have those rights but until you're in that position I don't think you realize the I guess the struggle and all the other things that you know in history they've been fighting for and their Mm -hmm. experiences and like we're so privileged to be able to say like oh like I, I yeah I don't need to come out or like this is stuff that like I I was nervous about but like realistically I haven't I haven't faced like physical violence in a reaction to any of these sort of things, but it is just still like considerations of how it is. Like, even if we just consider you have like such straightforward sexual scripts and relationship scripts for like a hetero relationship. And it's saying that I think so interesting when you think about queer relationships, it's like, there's no storyline. Like you have no idea. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, how many dates do we go on? Are we going on a date? Are we friends? Like, how do I know you're into me? Like, <laughs> Yeah, 100%. And I really struggled because I'm so open with all my friends and I struggled with like this romantic side. I'm like, how do I make this not a friendship? Mm. And then talking about sex wasn't the thing that was going to be able to create that that differentiation because I'm doing fucking sexology (laughs) (laughs) yeah I'm like sex isn't sexual to me anymore when it comes to talking about it and because I remember clearly like on another date like sitting there talking and I could see how like turned on this chick's getting and excited and I'm just like this is work (laughs) (laughs) like like, oh like is this doing it for you? Because, like, I was actually just sharing my interests. Yeah. And it just I just felt like it created almost another barrier for me in trying to, to navigate that. And I honestly still am. Like, I still struggle so much with that romantic mm. connection. But I know yeah. once I've, I've just got to find, like, I guess the right person and give myself the space um, to be able to do that which I guess also like ties into like another issue for me that I've always struggled with is like being queer enough um and especially the way I present myself I feel like it's quite the typical beauty standards and things of like a cisgendered heterosexual woman Mm -hmm. um and I've always struggled with that and even like going to uni and stuff like I'm surrounded by the most amazing queer people um but then I find these fears coming up like oh I don't feel queer enough I don't have like the knowledge that they do on certain things or you know Mm. they just um the way they present themselves and how they I guess interact with the community sometimes especially being in Geelong like there's there's not really queer um community events there's not really things on that I can get engaged with as much yeah so then I also have had like this battle of like not feeling queer enough and then when I have like that coming up and then like internalized homophobia and all these things like it can just be a lot to try and navigate and then adding not having the queer people around you to validate your experience like hey you are as queer as you need to be this is like this is perfect you're perfect the way you are like it's it's so tricky to navigate that and I, I absolutely get that as well like having you know having long hair wanting to wear makeup wearing like feminine clothing all that sort of thing and it's like and you start to be like am I like am I the wrong sort of the wrong sort of queer <laughs> like yeah but like equally like there's the perfect space for you to be exactly as you are and still be queer like 
it's just like it's so it's so tricky navigating that though in your yeah, own no, it, is. <laughs> it is it is so tricky do you have any advice for people who are wanting to like explore their sexuality um I guess just like not putting rules on yourself like uh, allowing yourself to go wherever curiosity takes you um whether this be like with people like in your relationships like or whether it's like you know searching up different topics on porn or something like that like just like nothing you're thinking is like wrong like and if there's something that you're curious about someone else has also probably been curious about it too um and just like I guess like that permission slip to be like just like keep exploring what feels good and I guess like the biggest thing as well is like considering that like your whole body can be like a vessel for pleasure so like don't let yourself get like trapped in a box of being one thing um and like when you're exploring your sexuality just like yeah I don't know like you don't have to make you don't have to make one thing be your whole identity or make it mean more than it has to if you you know if that makes you feel comfortable and safe and you like like labels awesome stick to a label but if you're someone who you're like I don't know and I'm still just figuring out it out like that's just as valid as someone who's like I'm this person and I know exactly what this looks like for me yeah absolutely and like I even know like I'm 22 now and I'm still navigating it and like mm-hmm. I probably it's probably honestly like your whole life just as it changes the people you meet and what you're mm-hmm. into what you're not into like yeah, it's just it's grow and change your whole life and I think just like hats off to you for letting yourself explore like yeah. it's brilliant yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely I love that so you mentioned to me earlier that you are HSV positive so mm-hmm. I would love to know what your experience has been like being a queer woman because I have talked about it on the podcast before but only from like a heterosexual perspective so yeah. I'd like to kind of you know integrate that the queerness into it yeah sure um well I guess like yeah it hasn't been that bad for me like I'm fairly open like with being HSV positive around like in the circles that know me and stuff. I mean, I've also like now spoken about on podcasts. So I'm like, if anyone actually like listens to my stuff, I'm like, yep, that's me. Um, But I guess like, because normally for anyone that I like start to see, I've never really done the like meeting strangers to go on dates thing. Mm -hmm. So like everyone that I've ever dated or like have seen in a romantic way, I've normally, normally known them like as even just like friends of friends or at events or something like that. And so like, if it's like someone that I was like in my brain being like, oh, I would like that to be an option. I feel like I'd try and like slip it into casual conversation at some point during like while we'd be having chats, like even if it would just be like, oh, like, you know, if something like medication comes up or something random about health comes up, like being able to be like, oh, yeah, like I take antivirals every day because I have HSV, like blah, 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 and just like have that be part of the conversation. So then like when if things progress you can sort of be like hey like I did mention it earlier but like just wanting to let you know like I have herpes I take meds blah blah blah. um I found that most people have been quite understanding of it lots of people have it as well so like so many people have it that's always kind of nice (laughs) um and I think just like it I find it a lot easier um I guess I just generally find like non-cisgendered men like less intimidating so so as far as like communication goes like I've often found that it's a bit easier to like have those chats about like the things that you feel nervous about or the things that um you know can be difficult or even just vulnerable like in those sort of conversations making sure that it's been like a sexual health chat from both sides I know that like often 
previously to diagnosis, like my, my, hmm, how do we say this? My proactiveness around managing my sexual health in queer relationships could have done with an improvement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I, I wasn't always like, you know, being like, what's your sexual health status? When was the last time you got tested? Like, and so I guess that's sort of like been the change is like making sure that I navigate that first and trying to have those sort of conversations. Um, and like really in the, when I've been like, if I like dated women or had casual encounters, like it was like really even like a protection thing. Like you'd have the option of thing, having things like dental dams or something like that. But I often found that people I was seeing, they were like, oh, that's fine. Like, I don't, I don't feel like we want to, like, I won't wear gloves, but we'll just make sure we have like lots of lube so that like everything's good. Or, you know, like I've tried dental dams before and like some people are just like, don't like them which like is super fair it's kind of a bit of an awkward thing depending though I've, I've seen now they've got like um like latex underwear almost mm, yeah I've seen that so that is brilliant rather than just like holding like a piece of almost like cling film like yeah it's literally <laughs> like having glad wrap and just pulling yeah. it out there <laughs> literally like and so like that's good but I mean like you can also always make a dental dam out of a condom so if you ever don't have one you can always like just like cut it up and like turn it into what you want which is good um but yeah, I guess like navigating queer encounters, it wasn't something that I ever had any issues with. Like most of the people I saw were quite accepting. Sometimes it was like a bit of shock and you could see like they'd be like, oh, like what is that? What does that mean for me? But normally because I'd filtered it into an earlier conversation, it wasn't like too new. Um, and it would just be a bit of like education about like what that looks like for me, how it presents for me, how I manage it. And then realistically, like most of the encounters were just like, like didn't even they're like okay so like that doesn't really change anything for me if there's anything else you want to like add let me know but otherwise like we're good to do whatever you want to do so like that was always like kind of kind of nice and like reassuring I think yeah and that's a that's a great experience to be able to have Mm. especially when getting a diagnosis like that it's so stigmatized Mm. and it is so scary like I remember I had I thought I had a herpes outbreak and I literally thought it was the end of my life like (laughs) I had a meltdown and then I went to the doctors and like they didn't even swab it because they were like no you've just got like infected ingrown hairs and I was like (laughs) but like are you sure but like statistically speaking I probably like because obviously it's like one in I think it's like one in eight or one in ten have um HSV and I'm like, okay, so statistically speaking by now, I've def- I've definitely been exposed. If mm. not, I'm just somebody who's asymptomatic yeah. because literally like, and it's probably more than what the statistics say, because if that's just what they're diagnosing, there's so many more people out there. Yeah. You know, for all the people that are asymptomatic, like lots of them wouldn't have been tested for it. So then it's no. like, you have to add them to the stats as well. And like, 100%. I think that's a huge thing. It's like, I sort of just assume that everyone has it, even if they don't know that they have it. So it's like, just like trying to educate people on it. Like lots of people would be asymptomatic. It's not something that really impacts your quality of life as long as you like can manage your health well enough and all that sort of stuff. But it is just the stigma that goes with it um, and the fear that surrounds it. But yeah, I think it's just like being able to have those conversations. I was similar when I got diagnosed. I was also just like, oh, shit. <laughs> um, very stressful. I was also very sick at the time, but it was just like, it's, yeah, it's one of those things. I'm like, there's so many people that could be going around and it's like in their system. Like, 
and the tests are not always like the best for it as well mm-hmm. so then it's like you know lots of doctors acknowledge that they're like oh well we normally wouldn't test unless we can swab because there's lots of like there's a high risk of like a false positive so like we wouldn't want to give you a stigmatizing result if it's not even true but we don't know like and so even lots of that it's like there's so many people that go get an STI panel and it's not included in a general STI panel you have to go and ask for it separately um that like think they're getting tested for it and they're actually not getting tested for it literally every single person I've ever spoken to who doesn't have knowledge around herpes thinks that they've been tested for it mm. thinks that if they go and get an STI test like, that yeah. they're in the clear Which and you though you know like a hundred percent and I've only at like I've been tested I wouldn't even know how many times mm. I've only had one doctor take the time to tell me that it does not test for herpes literally only one out of like would be 20 plus doctors that I've seen because like obviously I've gone back to repeat doctors and like only one and I'm like why is this not more of a conversation and because if it was it helps break down that stigma like if people all of a sudden are like oh okay majority of the people around me have herpes and if they don't have it on their genitals they got it on their mouth like somewhere else like like the fact that it's not acknowledged like like I have heaps of friends who have cold sores on their mouths. And then like when I got herpes, I remember having conversations with them being like, hey, like do you use dental dams if you're like going down on someone? Like how do you navigate that? Do you take antivirals? Like blah, blah, blah. And I remember so many of my friends being like, what, there's antivirals you can take? And I was like, yeah, like, yeah, you can take pills. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like you should go see your doctor about that. Like you don't need to just stick cream on it. Like go get a pill. Like, and like, but they hadn't even considered, you know, they were like, oh, but as long as I'm not, you know, doing anything when I've got a cold sore and like then having the conversation around like, oh, well, there's, there's shedding periods there's, and there's this and there's that. And like lots of those like conversations that I've had with friends, like they were just like, had no idea. Like, and you wouldn't because like that side of it's not stigmatized, but I'm like, realistically, like it's, it's almost just as easy to transfer it from mouth to genitals these days. Like yeah, sort of just like flow <laughs> ever changingly. Yeah. And like, I know people who have contracted, hsv like through Hmm. that and like yeah the only reason i honestly knew about the medication for cold sores was because i worked in a pharmacy Hmm. um and there was only i remember there was one time i had like a a tingle and because i'd never had a cold sore before when i got the medication so then i didn't if there was potentially an outbreak happening never had one Hmm. but then i didn't know if i now do have it or don't have it because obviously never had the symptom or if I was just having a weird nerve nerve thing going on and also just like you know you freak yourself out thinking like oh I've got this especially working in a chemist you'd be like (laughs) yeah exactly exactly but yeah so many people don't even yeah associate those two things and it even just brought me a memory back to my first boyfriend I remember how they had a cold sore and didn't want to kiss them because I was like oh like I just I don't want to know to potentially contract that and they were got so upset and so like they felt like I was rejecting them because like once again I guess just that lack of education yeah, and all those yeah. and like because then I felt bad and yeah. then I yeah and just that pressure and I even think they did potentially they'd had it for a week or so but then did go to go down on me and I remember that like oh and then because I'm a freezer I'm not good at like (laughs) speaking up especially at that age and I'm pretty sure then I had a you know a little freak out afterwards being like Mm -hmm. oh like this am I now gonna contract this and then obviously like I didn't have the resources or anything Mm. back when I was a teenager so I was um I'm surprised I even had the knowledge to be honest yeah um (laughs) but (laughs) 
Yeah, literally. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's definitely something that needs to be in more conversations and like, yeah, yeah and just for people to have that awareness. And because people often like even because it, it presents so differently in so many different people who even get symptoms, like it could literally just look like an ingrown hair or it could be the whole, yeah. you know, whole lot of blisters. So like it's. Or it could be internal. Like, yeah, yes. Like, you might not even get any outward blisters. You might just get like it might be really sore when you have bowel motions, you know, like because mm-hmm. like it can present in so many different ways. And then you might think like, oh, I actually just get hemorrhoids all the time. No, you don't. You might have herpes. Like, yeah, that, that's the thing. Like I remember going because that's what I remember going to my doctor and thinking that like I had hemor- like hemorrhoids and like my doctor, like I had to fight them to test me for herpes. Like I remember being like, no, just like, could you do a bunch of tests? Like, could you do a full STI panel? I want all of it done. I want this, I want that. Like, and I was like so sick, like I was fluy because, you know, like first outbreak is also like you often get like flu symptoms mm-hmm. and stuff. I know, you know, you've done lots of like research around it and stuff, but it is just one of those things like it presents so differently. And I remember like literally almost having to fight this doctor being like, I just, just do the tests. Like, and I think it's so tricky because it was on the second time that I went back to her that she was like, okay, fine. I'll do the test. The first time she like, she literally just refused. Um, she was like, it's probably not that like, we don't need to do that. And then the second time when she was like, okay, like I can take some swabs and I can like check things. Um, I was like, you like, like, like what if I didn't push that? And then mm-hmm. I just always thought, oh, like I just get, you know, like sometimes I get hemorrhoids or sometimes I get certain sore areas or like my immune system's not good. Cause you know, I've got like, I've got weird sort of I- IBS related things from endo anyway. So it's like, you know, there's lots of stuff that like I put down to being like, oh, well, like sometimes I have weird things and then that causes me this sort of discomfort, like that I just, I would have potentially just fob that off forever being like, oh, okay, no worries. Like, what if I never got a flare up again? And then I'm there having HSV, passing it on without knowing, like, which again, everyone probably has it. So it's not a big deal. But like, it was more just, I'm like, well, how are people meant to even take control over like managing their sexual health? If you're you're, like gatekeeping the information from them? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's so frustrating going into a space where you're meant to be looked after. You're meant to be able to ask for what you want and be given that in a healthcare setting. Mm -hmm. And once again, shows like their lack of sexual education too and like it's just you shouldn't have to be have to like having to fight for your healthcare rights yeah, and for what you for what you need and like that's just so frustrating and yeah. even like you could have the wrong doctor like because some I've even had doctors I remember I went to a bulk billing clinic and like that was like Okay, yeah, that was the doctors there were just, that were not it. And <laughs> I, I'm like, don't want to put the association between bulk billing and those types oh, of doctors. Yeah, yeah. That's just, yeah. And I've gone and I was going to get, I had to get tested again because I had inconclusive results. Mm. And the doctor was like this male doctor in his like probably late 50s, early 60s. And he just looked at me and was like, what's an innocent girl like you getting tested for all these nasty things? And I was sitting there like, excuse me, do you know how many people I've fucked and need to get tested for? I was like, I'm like, I didn't say it, but I wish I had of now because like, I was like, how dare you just assume because of the way I'm presenting to you that I'm in this innocent thing that doesn't, doesn't need to get tested. What does innocent mean? What are nasty things? Exactly. Sorry, like, Sarah, can we step away and, from the language? And what if I tested positive <laughs> and then he said like, these nasty things? 
Like you come back and he's like, oh, so you test positive for this thing. You're like, cool. So I have a nice, nasty thing. <laughs> Literally. Yeah, like, like that's horrible. <laughs> Literally. I remember having like a, oh, like a similar, like negative interaction with a doctor and I'd gone in, it was like after I got diagnosed with endo and I'd been like having all these issues and I just sort of was like, just wanting to ch- touch base as far as like, is this normal or is this a point that we would be concerned? Like, how are we going? Um, and it was just like really bad pelvic pain. And I remember going in and he was like, oh, well, you probably just have chlamydia. And I was like, and I'd just gotten out of like a quite a long relationship with a woman. And I was like, well, I mean, like I'd been tested before. I was in a long-term relationship, blah, blah, blah. And he just went, oh, like, well, he probably wasn't faithful. And I was like, I mean, like, I was like, I wasn't dating a guy. And then he got all flustered and weird. And I was like, I don't think I have an ST. You can check it if you want. I, I have endo, like, you know that. Like, and it was just like the weirdest thing. Cause then he went down this like abstinence road of being like, oh, well, you should just, you know, like just pick one partner and stay with them. And I was like, I tried that. We just, <laughs> okay, cool. Thanks. Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> and then in the end, like I was negative for everything. I was like, so it was just endo. <laughs> like, do you have any advice? Okay, just imagine though, like you've got it there. Obviously, like you've done this, and like they first go, you've got chlamydia. You go and like say you're somebody who isn't in those circumstances. Yeah. You start freaking out, and then being told that your partner wasn't faithful to you, like the spiral you would go down. Like, yeah, you're so lucky. I'm feeling stable at the moment. Literally, and like, how do you then go to your partner? My doctor told me you weren't faithful. <laughs> probably not faithful so you should get checked for chlamydia <laughs> that oh is god. so messed up so oh, my <laughs> oh my god yeah. so oh my god the things. <laughs> yes yes exactly <laughs> um there was one point um, you mentioned earlier that I want to touch on which is this idea that vulvas having sex with vulvas don't need to use protection mm-hmm. I feel like there's such a big I guess misconception yeah, that yeah. one they don't need to get tested like I've seen even in um like tv shows and movies I'll be like say something about an SDI and like oh but like they're gay or like they're a lesbian they don't need to it's get fine. tested for that like yeah and I feel like there's such a misconception that they just don't need to look after their um their sexual health as as much and then even when you go look on like the macro level looking at public health systems and health promotion they never target like vulvas having sex with vulvas populations like there's never very rarely research done on like vulva on vulva statistics yeah there's literally hardly anything and there definitely needs yeah i feel like there's definitely a gap that there needs to be more um and because especially something like hsv like there definitely can be skin on skin contact skin that it can be. Yeah, exactly. yeah. like <laughs> it's definitely like a potential and i guess it, it also speaks to like how i think restrictive we can be when we think about queer sex like yes as soon as they're like oh well it probably doesn't look exactly like this one way that we think of it's like well actually it still could like if you're swapping sex toys and you're not using condoms or if you're you know using certain positions like you're still going to be in like you know skin to skin friction positions with your partner like but it just really speaks to the fact that like I think lots of people don't consider how diverse your sex life can be even if you're with someone of the same sex you know yeah 
No, absolutely. It 100% just comes back to, like, that lack of education mm. and the lack of education around the different sexual scripts that, like, people can have. Mm. Is there anything else, like, on this topic that you want to touch on? Um, I guess just, like, saying to people, like, if you're going to go get tested, ask for all the tests, have a chat to them about it. Um, and if you ever do test positive for something, like, I mean, nearly everything is treatable or preventable these days. Um, and if you can try and if you have like, I think starting with safe people as well, like if you ever get diagnosed with something that makes you feel really scared um, or nervous and you realise that, you know, there's all this fear coming up, find who your safe people are and start with them to be the people that you practice having these conversations with so that then it doesn't feel so scary when you, you know, need to do it in a context where you're like with someone in a relationship or something like that, you know. Mm, Absolutely. And I think there's so many great resources out there now too, so many great Mm. Instagram pages, podcast episodes, so many great things that can help support you through a diagnosis. Help people Um, feel less alone. People can mm -hmm. always reach out to me if they ever want to send a message and like have a chat through any of this sort of stuff as well, like, but, yeah, just generally, like, trying to reduce the fear and the shame around it. Like, like it is just, like, we sort of talked about this before. Like, getting an STI is just, like, the cost of doing business, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, my like God. Yeah. Totally yes. okay. And, like, realistically, if the process of getting tested could be less stressful, that would be ideal. Like, if the – and so if you have, like, a sexual health clinic near you, maybe, like, start with a place like that because they're, they're so used to seeing people come through for tests, you're less likely to have, like – those awkward, uncomfortable, stressful encounters mm. when you're just trying to go get like your routine test done. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously we have just like talked about two examples where it wasn't the best, but <laughs> I've been tested. I don't even know how many times mm. and all the other times have been good experiences. Yeah. Um, yeah. Haven't been like, you know, daunting. So not to like mm. put anybody off. But... Absolutely. And just like being able to advocate for yourself, I think is the biggest thing. Like mm. if you're ever like really nervous, but you have like some good friends with like, who you talk to this sort of stuff about, like, don't be afraid to bring your buddy with you. So like, cause you're less likely to get even just like gaslit in that sort of situation, yes. you know, yeah. take someone with you and be like, Hey, this has been happening. I want these tests done. Like then like you feel confident and safe with your friend there. Like I understand like, you know, everyone might not find that comfortable. Like that's totally okay if you don't, but like if that works for you, then at least like you have someone else there. And then if you have mm-hmm. the test and you're feeling vulnerable, like you have that person you can like bounce off as well yeah absolutely that's such great advice I've gone a couple times with friends when like one of us Mm. is having a meltdown and we're like holy fuck what what STR do I have and we go in together and then often it's the one who's freaking out's fine it's the other person that wasn't planning on getting tested that's not so fine (laughs) even like when you get like results to things like I think just generally like if you know that you might be getting like big results like taking someone you feel safe with you to be able to also like absorb the information because I feel like sometimes like you can be so stressed in the moment and like as much as we're saying like you know this stuff needs to be destigmatized most of these things there's like a pill you can take or it's very manageable like if you are feeling really stressed take someone with you that feels like a safe person to like help you through that process because otherwise like there's nothing worse than going to an appointment almost like blacking out during it and leaving and being like Mm. I have no no idea what they said (laughs) yeah absolutely and because I can 100% see how easy that can happen and then you'll just like feel even more lost and like how the fuck do I navigate 
this because even the doctors don't have great resources like Mm. and sometimes they don't even have the answers because they just haven't been given the education or they've got the wrong knowledge and they've got misinformation you've got to go and unlearn that then and And like don't be afraid to get a second opinion or Mm -hmm. don't be afraid to see a specialist as well like if you if you go and get a result on something and you're like you didn't like the way that they delivered or, or you didn't feel like you got advice around how to like manage your health afterwards like find a different practitioner that makes you feel safe and comfortable and like just know that you're allowed to follow your intuition around those sort of things. Mm, absolutely. No, that's great advice. Now I would love to know what is something that is orgasmic to you? Um, the sun. Yes. Love it. <laughs> the sunshine. I love her. She, she's my fiance. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I love that. We're lucky you do not live in Geelong because um, you would hate your life. <laughs> yeah. But being in the sun is something that is so orgasmic to me. I'm just like, it just like charges up every little cell in my body. Yeah, I know it's the best. I was actually in the sun yesterday doing some topless journaling and it was so nice. It was just like a recharge. Yeah, it was the best. Now you have the podcast here to fuck spiders, which I fucking love the name. Tell me a bit about it. Yeah, sure. Um, so Here to Fuck Spiders is hosted by myself and Hannah, who we're both occupational therapists. Um, we created it as a space for us to be able to have conversations around sexual health and sexuality um, and just explore the topics that we find interesting. I guess we both had those sort of realisations when we were studying as far as lots of our colleagues not being comfortable to have those sort of conversations. Um so we just wanted to be able to like have a space to unpack the, we, we, our first season sort of started with, I guess, like the basic sex ed things. Um, we've talked through, like we had a whole consent series and we unpack like the history around consent and why we have lots of the beliefs around it that we have today. Um, and then we've also done a whole series on boundaries as well, like ways to set boundaries in different contexts of your lives. And then also how to deal with the backlash if people don't respond well to boundaries. Um We've got, I think that we've got like three or four episodes for the rest of the first season to come out, which will be around like safer sex and some queer history as well. So we wanted to have sort of like all the basics that you sort of need to know to then be able to like jump into lots more of the Mm -hmm. fun stuff. Um, I feel like if you don't have the foundational knowledge around it, it can be really tricky to then like, like understand the other concepts. And so I guess that's where we've started with that. Um, it's, it's still like an, our new little baby. We only just started it this year. So we've only got, I think, like eight eight episodes out. Um, but, yeah, we're always open to, like, new topics and I think we'll probably have guests on either next season or the following season to come on and talk about their stories and um, various experiences in, like, the sexuality and sexual health field. Um, it, as much as, like, we are both OTs and we're talking from, like, a health perspective, um, it's not it's not really like clinical or um, even specific to OT. It's sort of just general chat around these sort of topics and stuff like that as well. So yeah, like it's, it's been a fun project. I've haven't, I've, I've started to realize how bad I am at technical things Mm -hmm. (laughs) as far as managing like all the editing and things like that. Um, But yeah, that's our, that's our podcast. Um, You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on, we're meant to be on like all the streaming platforms as far as like, we had issues getting onto Apple, but we should be on there now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's 
that's us. I, I love making the episodes. I love being able to talk about like sex and sexual health. Um, and even just like, I feel like I've been learning along the way as well around when we did the like consent history episode, that like, there's just so many things that I think we take as fact around mm-hmm. like the way that things have always been and to like understand the root of like where those ideas have come from or the original belief systems that like led to that. I just like find it so interesting because then it's like it's the path to unlearning it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And it's so fantastic. One, having another sex podcast out there because everyone has their different take mm. and their life experiences and the knowledge they can bring and like it yeah, it's just it's amazing. And like as you said, like just the stuff you learn too, like when you're researching, mm-hmm. people you talk to, like I literally learn something new from every single person I speak to, or even just uncover something about myself. Like yeah. today about like the internalized homophobia <laughs> and all that stuff. I'm like, oh, I'm actually finally processing this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you like those reflections and you're like, oh wow okay yep that's something I need to work through in therapy later (laughs) yeah literally lucky I got my psych appointment tomorrow (laughs) exactly it's so interesting I think to be able to explore these topics though and I'm just so grateful for the opportunity to do it like it's nice to have a space where we can just talk I think you you might find it similarly I think having a podcast can also feel kind of strange you're like speaking out into the void and just hoping that people enjoy it like Mm -hmm. (laughs) because like you know sometimes you get feedback it's but it's not necessarily all the time like it's sort of like a one-way conversation absolutely and I forget all the time because it's not like I'm I've got these people sitting in front of me Mm. and then I go out into the real world and I have people approach me or people from my hometown and stuff and they listen to it and it's a reminder of holy fuck people listen to this and they know this information about me and all this (laughs) stuff because like I'll go to talk about something and they're like oh yeah I know that because you talked about it on this and I'm like it's just this weird concept it's of really like wild, yeah. people knowing this information. Obviously, I've willingly put it out mm. there, but I, you just when you're not seeing people receive it, it's then yeah. just such a weird feeling when somebody is like, "Oh yeah, I know that," or "Yeah, mm. you don't really talk about that." Like I already know all about it, and just like, "Oh yeah. okay, people, people just, know like, this." People don't really reply very much, as well as far as like, no. you know, like normally if there's like some sort of thing like that, there's like interaction where like a podcast is like quite an interesting medium as far as like you're creating content that like you think is important and powerful and hopefully that you know people are also agreeing with or that they find interesting or they have sent in messages asking for but like sometimes it does just feel like a bit like are we still enjoying this guys like I'm having fun but like are you guys still having fun (laughs) a hundred percent especially because it's not like comment sections on Spotify or Apple and like that's like the whenever I do get a message on Instagram from somebody like I've had them from all over the world and whenever I get them I'm like okay I can now keep going for the next three months like just the one message is just like it's just that nice okay I've had that impact on one person I'm seeing it that's, that's all I needed to like yeah. to keep going because it is a draining experience because there's just so much to it mm. um yeah so if any like many messages from people about the podcast yeah I have so it's come in, in in waves at the start um I think especially for people back home it was just like oh somebody's talking about this mm. when I've talked about certain topics like the first time I talked about herpes that was a big one um anytime I've talked about sexual assault often people mm. will reach out um but it just yeah it comes randomly I find the longer I've gone on I haven't necessarily received them as much was definitely a lot more at the start Mm. um so I'll just get the odd message here and there and 
they're literally like they're the best like they're they're just they're the things that make you like okay this is worth it like it makes you feel feel good just having I think like I follow so many people and realistically like I'm trying to remember to like message and engage with their content because it's like there's so many people that like I'm just like like freely consuming their content like almost like daily like sometimes I'll be like listening to podcasts and stuff like that and I'm trying to remember to be like if I've listened to something or if I've like seen a post that like I really was like shit that's interesting like to comment or to like message them to be like I really love this thing because like I know how much like it means to me as well when like people will message and be like or like I'll catch up with someone that'll be like oh my god I listened to this episode and like it was so helpful about this thing and I'm like wow that like that's awesome so like trying to make sure that we keep feeding back into the cycle yeah absolutely especially for small content creators because when we're not getting paid that's Mm. the thing that helps us keep going because otherwise it's like well what's the point like why am I who am I creating this information for if it's if I'm not getting responses in return you know I don't have the money that's you know influencing me to keep doing it so then you've got to try and find just the passion within to keep going and without that I guess that positive reinforcement sometimes it can be really hard and like also a great reminder to me because I feel like at times I definitely need to probably engage with other people's content more instead of just being that lurker in the background (laughs) absorbing everything (laughs) such a lurker but yeah like a bit of a reminder and it's like it's just like nice to know if people are taking taking anything away from the message because like yeah I've had so much fun like speaking with you and having these chats and so I'm like I'm grateful for this either way, but like, I feel like sometimes depending on, especially if you're speaking about topics that feel really hard for you or really raw, it's like, it can get a bit like, oh, like, are people getting something out of this? (laughs) Mm, Yeah, no, absolutely. So where else can my listeners find you? Um, They can find me on Instagram at, it's it's sexy self-care, but it's like sex is elf care underscore <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'll put it in the show notes yeah. anyway yeah thanks um and then also at here to fck spiders podcast on instagram or here to fuck spiders but the you in fuck is a little asterisk on like any place where you find your podcast so spotify apple stitcher any of them should be there okay amazing yeah. well thank you so much for coming on today it's been absolutely amazing honestly one of my favorite conversations to date so thank you so much thank you so much bye as always shaggers thank you so much for listening to today's episode please reach out with any comments questions or stories either through my instagram that's orgasmic or my email emily duncan at that's orgasmic.com please subscribe whatever platform you used to listen to this podcast and leave a review as I would love to know what you're thinking. So thank you, Shaggers, and I'll see you next week. <gasps>